Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you're watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Than Pan, founder of Asian Efficiency, a productivity training company where they help people become more productive at work and in life. Welcome to the show, Than. Thank you, Ajay, for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you here. Thank you. Same here. And, you know, thank you for taking out time. So, Than, you have started, you started Asian Efficiency in 2011 and you have helped more than 16,000 clients. That's a big number and you have featured in Forbes, Fast Company and Inc. Magazine as a thought leader and has, give, has given keynotes across the world on productivity, efficiency and time management. So who better than talking about productivity and, you know, efficiency than you? And, you know, a lot of people are working remotely still. And this has become a norm working from home from different places. So we'll be talking about that, how to be productive working remotely without going crazy. So tell us about this whole concept of working remotely, how it has developed specially, you know, and how to be efficient at the same time. Over to you. Absolutely. So I, uh, I've been working from home since 2009. So it's been over a decade since I've been doing this. And I started when working remotely wasn't very common at all. It was something that people thought was not possible. People oftentimes would think that they couldn't be productive working from home. And a lot of the technology that we use today wasn't available back then. But after the big pause uh, that we had in 2020, I think everybody realized that most of us can work from home. Most of us can work remote. Most of us can be in a, in a setting outside of the office and be productive. And if it's your first time or you're still struggling with distractions, procrastination, you're not as productive as you could be. Um, I think I'm going to share some really valuable tips that I've learned over the last decade that will help you here today. So the first thing I always recommend that when people start working from home or working remotely, ideally you have your own desk set up in the right place and you have the right tools in place as well. So for example, a lot of times you're going to be on video calls like this. So one of the things you'll probably need that you don't have necessarily at your office is a microphone like this, as you can see here, or a set of earphones. So you can see me here wearing the Apple AirPods as an example. Like these are things that everybody should have if you're trying to work remotely in, a, in an effective manner because you're going to be on a lot more online meetings. There's a lot, a lot of like Zoom meetings, uh, like Google Meets. Uh, and all these different platforms, so you're going to have to write. You're going to have to have all these tools in place first of all to be productive and effective. Uh, the second thing I also recommend, and this is something I've noticed among so many clients, is there's a lot of studies that show that when people work remote, they actually work more hours than when they do at the office. And when I first heard about this, I was a little bit surprised, but after thinking about it, I'm actually. Um, very well aware now how this is happening because oftentimes when we don't sit in an office like usually when it's five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock uh, depending on what your ending hours are you see other people in your office leaving you hear the door closing you hear them starting their car everyone is saying goodbye so that's a sign for you to say hey oh yeah maybe it's time for me to go home as well 
However, when you're working from home, you don't have those cues. You don't have those coworkers necessarily around you telling them and telling you or signaling to you that it's, hey, it's the end of their workday. It's time to start working. So oftentimes people will end up working longer hours because nobody's telling them to stop working. And so one of the things I always recommend that people uh, incorporate when they start working remote is that you have a cutoff time set off for yourself. So I recommend that people set a cutoff time, for example, say, if your regular hours at the office were five o'clock, to also adhere to that at home so you don't work beyond five o'clock because it's so easy when you're working from home to say, hey, you know, I'm going to take a break now and then I'll do it later in the evening. But what ends up oftentimes happening is that you take your work into your bedroom, you'll still be on your laptop uh, before you fall asleep, and, and that's not what we want. Right. Right, then. So, uh, you see, you have given some good tips on how to get started from working from home, and you started uh, doing this from long ago before it has become a norm now. Now, working from home, working remotely, and being efficient and productive. Uh, sometimes they may be the they may be so interlinked. Sometimes they may be two different things. You may be more productive at office, but sometimes while you are working remotely, even though you have all the stuff that you just mentioned about, and still you are not uh, you know as productive as you think you can be or you should be. So how does one become productive enough or productive enough, not only for office standards, but to your own standards? Many a times beyond office hours, you want to do something or build something for yourself for your future life. So how do you do that big thing called time management and output, taking care of the output at the same time? How does it work? Yeah, so that's a, something that I think everyone should be aware of, of how they spend their time, both at the office and at home, because the time that you spend at the office is different than the time you spend at home. And when I first started working from home, I didn't know what to do to be productive at home or effective uh, back in 2008, 2009. There was no material on this. Uh, there were no blogs or courses or anything like that. Uh, so I had to figure it out on my own to really see what worked for me. And then over the years when I was working with clients to see what worked for them. And over time, after working with thousands of clients, I saw uh, repeatable patterns that I think everyone can do. So there's like two things to pay attention to. One setting is you're trying to be productive at home for your, your company, for your work, uh, maybe even for your own business. And I know like you were hinting at earlier, there's a lot of people who outside of work, want to start maybe a business or they want to have a side hustle or they have a project that they're very passionate about, like let's say publishing a book that they want to do outside of work, right? Like and how do you incorporate that? Because oftentimes what people struggle with is uh, one thing I teach is called the T framework. It stands for time, energy, and attention. So those are the three pillars of productivity. And most people, when they first come to us, they they don't know how to manage their time very well. So that's the first thing that we help them with. Um, then the second thing is they don't manage their energy very well either. And then the third thing is the attention. So are they focusing on the right things? And most of us, when we work in an office, when we come home, we are too tired. We are fatigued. There's just no energy left to do anything else. So we come home, we sit on the couch, maybe watch some TV. But then whatever we said we would do outside of work, we will actually never end up doing. And that's a lot of struggle that a lot of people have. 
So one of the things uh, that is also true for working from home is, yes, you're working from home. You might have strict office hours for yourself as well, but you might also be very tired to say, hey, after my work at the office or uh, remotely, I'm, I'm too, too tired to do anything. So what can I do about this? So there's a couple of suggestions that I have. Uh, one is instead of trying to do the more important things for your personal life or for your business outside of work after your work is done, what if you change it to do it earlier in the day before you start working. So instead of saying after five o'clock in the evening, I'm going to start writing my book. What if you flip it around and say, hey, if my work starts at nine o'clock in the morning, what if I spend maybe between 7.30 and 8.30 working on my book before you actually go into the office or before you start working for your company? That's the strategy that I've seen to be most effective for most people because now when they wake up a little bit earlier and focus on the things that they find most important, they have no reason to procrastinate anymore because there's no uh, time to do it because you, after you're done with that, there's, there's just the stuff you have to do at work now. And then at the end of the day, if you're too tired anyway, you don't have to worry or be anxious about what you have to do or should be doing. So that's the first strategy I always tell people is, hey, Move it from in the evening to a little bit earlier in the day. And if that means that you have to go to bed a little bit earlier or you have to wake up a little bit earlier to get that done, that seems to be the most effective. Even if you have kids, this is something I would highly recommend that most people do. Uh, the second thing is when it comes to just being productive uh, remotely, one of the first things you want to do is most of us maybe not have the possibility ha to have a separate office where you have a separate room where you can do your work. Some of us have to work at a kitchen table. Some of us have to work on the couch or a desk in the living room. Uh, whatever your situation is, the first thing you want to do is remove distractions as much as possible or add friction to what might be a distraction. So to give an example, um, if I put my phone in a different room, let's say I work in the living room, but I put my phone in the bedroom, then if I every time want to check my phone, I would have to get up, go to my bedroom, and then check my phone, which is too much friction uh, for most people. If I just think, oh, let me just check what's, what's on my phone, and I have to walk upstairs or go to a different room, oftentimes I won't even do that because I'm adding friction to something I don't right. want to do. So the same thing if you, for example, get distracted by TV or your iPad, just put the remote control in a different room anytime you start working. So that, that way, if you want to watch TV, you really have to put in a lot of activation energy to do the actual distraction. And so if we can add friction to something we don't want to do, we eliminate a lot of distractions. And that's oftentimes the biggest struggle that people have when they work from home is they get easily distracted. And so if you know what those possibly might be, add friction to them. So you make it harder for yourself to be distracted. So putting your phone away, putting remote controls away, uh, turning off all TVs or screens in your home, Anything that might be a source of distraction uh, could be your partner, it could be kids, it could be other people in your home. Uh, if you know that you have an important podcast to record like this, then tell, make sure to tell your significant other and your kids that, hey, I have a, a really important call with Ajay um, for the next hour. Could you maybe please be quiet or go to a different room or go play outside or go run an errand and get groceries during this time because now I can focus. So whatever we can do to eliminate distractions or add friction, that's something I always recommend that people do. Right, right. Nathan, uh, in terms of you know being focused, how you can actually plan your day, 
you have said a lot of things and you've given some good tips and how to add friction between you, you know, things that uh, make you lose focus. But how do you overcome procrastination? That's something inherent. Uh, and sometimes within uh, at home, when there can be some distraction, that's a different thing. But procrastination is from within. How does one overcome that, especially when you are working from home and there is no one, no one else to tell you to do your work? Like you said, procrastination is something from within. And so uh, another way to look at procrastination is to say procrastination is a symptom. And it's a symptom of a lack of clarity or priorities in your life. So to give an example, uh, Ajay, if you have something that's really important to you, let's say, for example, picking up your children from school, no matter how difficult it might be because of work, calls, meetings, if it's really important to you, you will find a way to pick up your kids from school. Maybe it's right. not you. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. But either way, if it's really important to you, you will find a way to get it done. And so what procrastination oftentimes is, is a lack of clarity about what's really important. And so oftentimes we will procrastinate on something that we know is not that important. But because everything on our to-do list looks equally important, we have a hard time saying, what do we need to focus on? What do we need to start on? And when everything on your to-do list looks of equally of the same level of importance, then nothing truly is. So the first thing I always recommend people work on is if you feel like you're procrastinating and your to-do list looks really long and everything looks like it's a fire, it's an emergency, everything looks equally important. The first thing is let's figure out what your priorities are. What is the number one, two, and three things you have to do today? And once you get clarity on that, then it's easy to say, hey, let's do those things first. And everything else is not of the same level of importance. So we can do it later on. And what we oftentimes find is once we know what's important, it's less likely that we procrastinate. Because again, procrastination is just a symptom of a lack of clarity in our life. And oftentimes procrastination can also be a sign of, hey, I know this is not that important. And that's why I can kind of put it off. Because I know, for example, if my deadline is tonight uh, and I have to get it done, if it's really that important, you will get it done. But if it's really not that important, you'll find a way not to get it done. So it just really emphasizes the idea of like, okay, we need to have clarity and we need to have priorities. And if you don't know what those are, before we do anything else, that's the first thing we have to do. And so if you have, if you have a really long to-do list, uh, ask yourself, what's the most important thing today? Like what makes today a productive day. And something I always encourage my clients before they start working is to write down the answer to this question, what would make today productive? And if you cannot answer that question, then you run into challenges like this, where you'll start to procrastinate, you start to um, find it very challenging to get started, you start to maybe work on the things that don't really move the needle or aren't that important because you're now procrastinating on the idea of like, hey, this bigger thing that's more important, I will do it later. And it just creates more stress and anxiety, which is something we wanna avoid. So I always recommend that once you know what to work on, work on those first, get those important things out of the way. And once we have done that, then oftentimes everything else that comes after that is relatively easy. Right, Than. I'm, I'm just listening to you. You have such great clarity, such great tips, 
some great understanding of different things in life which binds people to their routine and they are never able to come out. I wanted to understand, see, you are a high school dropout and you have helped, you know, more than 16,000 clients, you know, founders, small business owners, team leaders. I know you have got online courses, workshops, coaching programs, and then you have a blog which, you know, more than a million readers. You have your podcast and it's the number one productivity podcast with over 12 million downloads. This is just for the audience to understand who is their expert today, who is the master in this masterclass today, and what's his background. You tell us where did you learn all this that you are sharing with us today. Uh, Ajay, uh, to be really honest, uh, I had to learn everything the hard way by just experimenting, trying things out. Uh, like you said, I dropped out of high school. So my parents who were from Vietnam, uh, as you know, in Asian culture, it's very important to have an education, to go to school, to become a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist. And I didn't do any of these things. I actually took the wrong path. If you ask my parents, I took right the wrong up. path <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to go and achieve what I wanted to achieve. And so uh, when I dropped out of school, I had a mentor in my life that had a very successful company. He was a life coach in Los Angeles and he took me under his wing. So within two years of working with him, I learned almost everything I needed to learn about business, uh, marketing, selling, sales. Uh, managing clients, customer service. He taught me everything. He took me under his wing and wanted to share everything he knew about business. And then he would take me onto meetings with him. We would meet clients together. Uh, he just taught me everything. And so when I started my business today, uh, it actually didn't start as a business. It was a passion project. So even though I dropped out of school, I never stopped learning. I'm, I've always been reading. I still attended workshops. I still hired coaches. I still went to seminars. So even though I stopped formal education, I started educating myself. So if you looked at my, for example, my budget, I would spend hundreds of dollars every month on books or on seminars or on workshops or audiobooks. I remember driving to the office every day and I had a CD if people still remember those CDs that you would put in the car and I would listen to different audiobooks every single day. So even though I didn't go to school, I was still learning, but in my own way. And so when I started my uh, company that I have today, it's just started as a blog. So in 2010, I said, you know what? Uh, my friends and family, they always ask me the same questions. Tan, how are you so productive? How do you do all these things? And I was just learning a lot from different mentors, uh, some people that I knew, some people that are learned about from books or seminars. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to share everything that I've learned from book summaries to attending all these workshops and seminars and conversations that I'm having with people. So I just started to share it once a week on the blog. And after six months, other people from the New York Times, Lifehacker and other magazines started to discover my website and said, wow, this is great material. Uh, and then they started linking to it. And that's how it kind of like blew up. I had no idea. And so everything that I've learned was just always an experimentation on myself. And then I would try it out with my friends, see if it worked for them. I would publicly document what I was learning. And then as people kept emailing me and reading the blog, they said, hey, Tian, I really love your materials. Uh, is there any way I can hire you? Is there any way you have coaching or courses? And I said, oh, no, 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 this is all for free. Uh, this is just a passion. This is never meant to be a business. But I kept getting hundreds of emails every single month. And one day I said, 
aha, maybe, maybe I could turn this into a business. Maybe I could turn this passion and this idea into a business. So I said, you know what, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. And so I launched my first product, which was teaching people how to sleep better because sleep, I think, is so important for productivity. Uh, but I completely failed. Nobody bought my course. Uh, and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I cannot turn this into a business at all. Uh, and then I tried again on my second launch and I was teaching people how to use a to-do list using Mac apps. And that turned out to be a great success that allowed me to go full time. And so once I started having products that started working and people really uh, enjoyed them, I started having more one-on-one -on -one conversations and clients that I helped over the years. And uh, what I was learning, I was working with them, learning from them. And then I was uh, comparing notes with other team members that I hired and other coaches that I hired. And so over time, we all created our best practices. And then earlier this year, after 11 years of running my company, I finally released our own productivity method that took us 11 years to really figure out what works, what doesn't work, especially with technology today. And uh, it's all been through trial and error, just testing it out, learning from the best people in the world, but then all putting it together. Great, great. And in fact, that's the reason I wanted to ask this question, you know, because so many people across the world, especially in Asia, in a country like India, you know, many people are not able to uh, complete their education or for whatever reasons or, uh, you know, don't are not able to go to through the same path that many of us take early on. And they think that there is no way they can move forward, that they have to go through, you know, the jobs small jobs here and there now your story is a big inspiration for a lot of people and they can know that they can learn from anywhere you learn through cds in whatever ways now so much is available the internet has changed so much in the last 10 years and so much is available you do not have to be in los angeles to learn you can anywhere in the world even in the cornermost corners of the world or in the in in india and you can still do and connect with the best and learn from the best. And that's why yours is such a great story. That's why for me, you are a true master in telling us what you are telling right now. So thank you very much for that, for being the inspiration that you are. That's actually when I saw, uh, when I learned about you and I saw your profile, that actually was very inspiring to me. And I wanted this inspiration to go to millions and millions of people uh, whenever it is possible my my uh, show does not go to million of people not even half of that or quarter of that but i'm sure as many people as it goes i'm sure it will inspire them and continue to inspire now coming to the uh, productivity part of our discussion and you know before i come to my other questions are there any productivity apps you just took the name of certain apps uh, you just took, uh, took the name of apps. Now, talking of productivity apps, uh, can you share any particular apps that people can use for their, uh, for their productivity, for their day-to-day -day efficiency, especially working remotely? Absolutely. So there's thousands of productivity apps. If you go to any app store, whether it's the Google App Store or the Apple App Store, there's thousands of apps. So what that's are some of the apps? That's, that's a headache, in fact, Than because... If you keep on trying, you never know. Almost every app is good enough. So how do you know that? So it's better to learn from an expert like yours who have actually tried and tested them. 
Yeah, so we've tried a lot of different apps. Uh, I've tried hundreds of apps over the last decade. So um, there's three apps that I think everybody needs, and they're like three different categories. So everyone needs a calendar app. That's really good. Everyone needs a to-do list app or a task manager. That's really good. And then everyone needs a note-taking app. Like if you have all three, that's what I call the essential three, then you'll be in good shape because everything else is kind of like an extra bonus. So when it comes to calendars, um, if you're on Microsoft platform, I would say Outlook is probably the best calendar app, which I think most people will have access to, which is great. If you're on Mac or other platforms, Fantastical is, in my opinion, the best app because it's the best UI and it's also the fastest and it has the best features. So Fantastical is oftentimes the one I recommend. For to-do lists, uh, again, if you're on Windows, I would say Outlook is still the best. There's a lot of different ones out there, but Outlook has the best features and integrations as well. So that's the one I recommend. If you're on the Mac or on iOS, I would say OmniFocus is the one that I personally use. It's been around for over a decade. Uh, you'll know that it, there's always going to be upgrades. There's always going to be updates to it. There's active developments. It's been around for a long time. So you know it's going to be good. But the other one that a lot of people seem to like is Todoist. So that benefit of Todoist is that it's uh, it's cross-platform. So it also is available on Windows, on the web, and Mac. And that's the one I would recommend for most people if you're on different platforms at the same time. So Todoist is my recommendation there. And then for note-taking, this is a very personal preference. Uh, for example, on Microsoft platform, OneNote is really good. And that's one that has gone really good over the years. I wouldn't recommend it a few years ago, but nowadays it's one of the best note-taking apps. And it also integrates within every Microsoft product as well. So that's the one I would recommend. If you're on the Mac, you have a lot of different options, but the one I personally use is Evernote. Evernote has been around again for over a decade as well. There's always new features, new upgrades. It's fast. It's not buggy. It doesn't um, feel overloaded or overwhelming. So that's the one I really like. Uh, but if you're a really simple person, then going for Apple Notes is another great alternative that I recommend. So even though there are found tons of apps out there, those three categories are the ones that everyone needs. A calendar, to-do list app, and then a note-taking app. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you very much for those you know, suggestions. Now, I'm sure people can try them out and, you know, look at apps that suit them the best. Now, coming to the productivity part uh, again, uh, Than, you see, suddenly now somebody decides that, okay, I will be productive. I have listened to Than and from tomorrow, I'll be as active as possible, as productive as possible. No more procrastination and I'll be more focus fully focus i'll start doing things for you know from tomorrow morning itself just like a lot of people in asia do especially in india they just take that result tomorrow from tomorrow it will be a different life but then you know there are mistakes when people start to dissolve things in such a manner what are the common mistakes uh, when people uh, try to become more productive can you tell us on that Absolutely. So the common mistakes that I see most people make is that when they don't prepare to be productive, then oftentimes they fail before they even try to be productive. Right. So to give an example, one of the things I recommend that people do is you should make your to-do list the night before 
you start working. So if you're starting, let's say, for example, tomorrow, which as recording this would be Wednesday, then make sure you write down your to-do list the night before, so Tuesday evening. Because if you do it Wednesday morning, oftentimes when we're starting our work day, if we don't know what we're going to be doing yet, then oftentimes we have an excuse to procrastinate. And then we'll go check email, we'll watch some YouTube, we'll do some other things before we actually start working. So I recommend before you go to bed tonight, create your to-do list and know exactly what you need to do tomorrow. And the great thing about it is if we have an idea of what we need to work on tomorrow, then our brain, as we're going to sleep, is going to start thinking about the things you have to do tomorrow. It's going to kind of simmer on it. And by the time you wake up, you either have an idea of what you need to do already so you can easily get started, or you might have a solution already to a challenge or a problem that you might have as you were writing down your to-do list before you went to bed. So your subconscious is like working towards resolving what you're trying to fix and, and, and get done. So don't set up your to-do list the morning of. I always recommend people do it the night before. So that's the first thing. The second thing I see most people do wrong is they spend more than five hours a day on email. They spend way too much time in their email inbox. And uh, a lot of people will think, oh, well, what else am I supposed to do then, right? Well, I, I'm here to tell you, you can spend less than an hour a day on your email. And the way to do that is by checking email twice a day at fixed times for only 30 minutes at a time. So for example, I check my email twice a day at 11 o'clock in the morning, and then one more time at four o'clock in the afternoon. And then I only spend 30 minutes each time when I'm checking my email. So I'm having like boundaries in place so that once the 30 minutes is up, it's like, okay, that's all I could do. I'm gonna move on to the next thing. And whatever I didn't get done, we'll have to wait till tomorrow. And so, if you leave your email inbox open, which I see most people do, anytime there's a new email, they get a notification, they get a pop-up, and guess what happens? You get distracted and then immediately reply. And what research has shown is anytime you get distracted from, from a task, in order for you to get back to focus, it takes anywhere between 15 and 23 minutes to get back to focus. And so anytime you get distracted, meaning you know, a notification comes up from your email, it might take an extra 15 to 23 minutes just to know what you were working on, what was your train of thoughts, to get back in that focus level or that level of flow. Um, and even if you do achieve that, it might be that another notification comes up and then you never right. get in this cycle of what some people call deep work or intense focus. And so I recommend that you shut off your email app and only check it twice a day at 11 or 4 o'clock, as an example, only for 30 minutes at a time. And that will solve a lot of problems. You'll still get all your emails done. You will still look very responsive because you replied within the same day. And you'll still be on top of everything while still having more time to do the things that are on your to-do list. Right, right. Are these the, the same thing as this three life hacks of highly productive people or are they different? If they are different, please do share for them so that, you know, they actually uh, look forward to becoming productive. Yeah, so I have a signature talk, and that's a, a keynote that I give all over the world on the three life hacks of highly productive people. And it's based on the T framework, which, like I mentioned earlier, stands for time, energy, and attention. So if we can maximize our time, if we can maximize our energy, if we can maximize our attention then we know that we will be extremely productive. And if we miss one of those, then it's hard to be 
productive. And so for time, what a, one of the things I always recommend is that, like I mentioned earlier, create your to-do list the night before, because then you'll maximize your time that way. So an outdated idea that people have about time management is that they think they have to schedule everything. They have to block off every 15 minutes. They have to maximize every single minute. Uh, that's an outdated mindset around productivity because maybe in the past when we worked in factories, we were held accountable for how many things we created or how many things we shipped, right? And then we have to maximize our time away. But most of the time nowadays, we are knowledge workers. We get paid or we get results for companies and that's how we get compensated. So it's not based on how many things we produce. It's more based on the results that we give or produce. And so oftentimes there's no quantity related to that. So in order for us to increase our value is, and we maximize our usage of time because we have the same 24 hours in the day, it's really about can we get the results that we're being asked to be done? And the way to do that is actually to create a to-do list every single day and make sure you have a plan to get the results that you're looking for. And that's really how we maximize our time nowadays. So it's a new shift or way of thinking about time now. So that's the one around time. Around energy, the first thing I always recommend that people do is they get an extra one hour of sleep uh, every single night because sleep is a force multiplier for productivity. If you've ever slept for two hours and tried to be productive, you know that's virtually impossible. Uh, and tons of research have, studies have shown that for every single hour you lack sleep per day, your IQ drops and your cognitive ability is almost as the same as a person who has a, a little bit of alcohol in their bloodstream. And so sleep is really important for productivity. And so a lot of people struggle with going to bed an hour earlier, right? So oftentimes if, we're, if we go to bed at midnight, we try to go to bed at 11. If we go to bed at 11, our mind is still alive. It's still thinking about so many different things. So it's very hard to go to bed earlier. So what I recommend that people do is make a small improvement every single day to go to bed a little bit earlier. And what I mean with that is if you go to bed five minutes earlier every single day, you know, add an extra five minutes each day, then you'll end up sleeping an extra hour in about two weeks. And that's very realistic and sustainable. So for example, let's say today you're going to bed at uh, midnight, which is your normal bedtime, then uh, maybe challenge yourself to say, I'm going to go to bed at 11.55. And then tomorrow you're going to go to bed at 11.50. And then the day after you go to bed at 11.45. So you add an extra five minutes every single day, which is really easy to do. And everyone can do that. And then over time, within two weeks, you'll sleep an extra hour a day. And I guess what? I think everybody here would love to sleep an extra hour per day, right? And when you have an extra hour, you'll feel much more energized, much more focused. You'll procrastinate a lot less. Because you have more energy, you'll naturally get more stuff done. That's the second thing for our T framework. So time, energy, and then third one is attention. So attention is all about can we focus on the things that is most important right now? And one thing I always tell people to do is when they start their day, think about what your finish line is going to look like. And what I mean with that is how often have we been in a situation where we're working really hard. We're doing a lot of different things. We're very busy. And then by the end of the day, when we look at what we got done, we still say, ah, I wish I had done more. I wish I had done more things. And then we do that again the next day. We work really hard. We do a lot of different things. And then at the end of the day, we say, oh, I wish I had done more. Even though you might have done a lot and you actually were productive, 
but by your own measurement or scorecard, you said, you know what? I actually wasn't that productive, even though you might have been very productive, right? So one of the things I always tell people is it's kind of like if you try to run a marathon, but you don't know when the finish line is, how do you know if you actually finished the marathon? Like if someone said to you, the finish line doesn't exist, you just got to keep running, then yes, you're going to be tired at the end of the day. And yes, you're never going to know if you actually finish your marathon, right? Uh, so the same thing with our productive days, we have to determine what is our finish line for each day or our daily target, as I like to say. Once you hit your finish line, then you know you had a productive day. So like I said earlier, for attention, what we want to do is ask yourself before we start working, what would make today productive? And whatever you write down is the answer to the key to getting a productive day done. So whenever you write down the answer to what would, what would make today productive, if you accomplish that, great. Then you had a productive day. You can finish it and say, I feel really good about myself. I had a productive day and I'm proud of myself. Let's move on to the next day. And if you didn't accomplish it, that's fine. Life is imperfect. Things like that happen. What can we change or make adjustments as needed to make tomorrow a better day? And then when we do that, then we're making sure we're focusing on the right things. And if we do get distracted throughout the day, now we have something to look back to and say, hey, uh, I got distracted. What was the thing I was trying to focus on? Oh, yeah, the answer that I wrote down to my question. And that is the thing that will keep us centered and focused. So if we do get sidetracked, now we have an easy way to say, oh, yeah, I wrote down this is what I want to accomplish today. Let's make sure I, I go ahead and do that. So that's the T framework, time, energy, and attention. And those are three things you can do to immediately maximize your productivity. Right, right, man. So much of information, so much of knowledge, so many tips that can make and change a life altogether for the better. And so, Than, but this is only one podcast, half an hour, 40 minutes. One can, you know, learn only as much as is possible in this much. It is, it is quite a bit, but then there is so much more. And they can learn more while getting connected with you, with your website, with your blog, with your podcast. So tell us about, you know, those people who want to take your help, want to, you know, engage you. How do they do that? What are the, what are the websites? What are, what's the podcast? How they can connect with you and get your help, get also free resources, your workshops, whole lot of things. How do they do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're uh, interested in becoming more productive at work and in life, I have so many free resources. I've written over 600 articles over the last 10 years. I have over 400 podcast episodes. You can find them all at asianefficiency.com. So if you go to asianefficiency.com, you'll find all of our free resources. We have a newsletter as well where we send out weekly productivity tips. So you can sign up there at asianefficiency.com as well. And if you listen to podcasts, which I think you do, if you're listening to us right now, uh, we also have a podcast called The Productivity Show. And you can find us at theproductivityshow.com as well. It's the number one productivity podcast in the world. And uh, those are two resources that we have. And we also have workshops, coaching programs, uh, but it's all found on asianefficiency.com. And how do companies engage with you if they want to take your help so that they can, you know, now it's a global world. People can, you know, uh, work with each other from anywhere. So how does that work? Yeah, if they go to asianefficiency.com, they can submit a form where they can contact us for hiring, coaching, mentoring. Uh, it's all available there. 
Uh, and the best way is just to send us an email through our website and one of us uh, will make sure to get back to you. Right, right. I'll in also include all this information in the YouTube description so that it helps uh, people to reach you as easily as possible. And Thank you. Be. Thank you. Thank you. So my last question, you know, with after all these tips and everything else, my last question to you, Than, is, you know, very intriguing to me is that when people were working in office, the wife used to call and say, what time are you coming home? And, you know, don't be in office for so long. But then remote work happened and the man started working from home. They started working much more beyond office hours. Why isn't the wife stopping them at home not to work beyond office hours? Why is this? This is such an intriguing thing. I thought I'll ask you. Oh, that's a great and funny question as well. Uh, I think it's because they probably see their husbands all the time. So they, they don't have to miss them anymore. They're there right in front of them whenever they want to see them. So uh, as long as they see their husband working and making an income, I think that's a, something that they find very appealing and very attractive about their man. So it's great to see that they're supporting their man in that way. Again, a great, great uh, what you call uh, understanding question, uh, 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 what you call, uh, answer to this, uh, Than, from you. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you once again. Thank you.